Hey, everybody. Welcome to Parenting Impossible, the Special Needs Survival Podcast. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and I'm so happy you're here with us. If you're just joining for the first time, I am a special needs mom, a special needs attorney, and a best-selling author. So please, grab your coffee, and if you're like me, you might be listening in your car. I spent a lot of time in the car in my day. And please join us for some important discussions to help you thrive in this complex special needs world. Each week, we're going to chat with parents and experts, and sometimes parents who are experts, to offer compassionate advice for all stages of your life. These are the conversations you would have with your best friend if your best friend was an expert like me. Let's go. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Parenting Impossible, the special needs survival podcast. This week, I was really fortunate to be able to interview David Greenwood, Dave, and um, he's a best-selling author of Overcoming Distractions, Thriving with Adult ADD, ADHD, which was such an interesting subject to me because I certainly have, um, I guess, what we call a neurodiverse brain, and he is a fellow neurodiverse brain. So um, he has a podcast by the same name, and he's a successful entrepreneur, I would say maybe a serial entrepreneur, um, in the PR, social media, and content marketing space. And I've used him in my own business and found him such a joy to work with. Honestly, it's great to connect with people who really get you. And it's one of the things that he talks about in the book, too. Um, The book was so interesting because it was not a technical book. It was not a book written by a doctor. He's not a doctor. Um, But it was stories, and it was very success-oriented stories. Yes, there was some there was discussion in there about things that negatively impact us, um, what Dave calls the tribe. I'm so happy to be part of the tribe. Um, But at the same time, even with those negative pieces of ourselves, there's this constant discussion of overcoming those distractions, overcoming that negativity and using our ADHD as our superpower. I love that. I really love using my ADHD and my diverse brain as a superpower. I think it has served me well, but I could not have survived without some of the tips that he has in his book, like coaching and having a support system and learning how to um, manage my time effectively. Things that, you know, just really have made the difference between success and, you know, utter failure in my business life. So I can't recommend this book more highly. It is fantastic. Uh, It's a great read. It's a short read, which I know he took into consideration when he was writing it. He didn't want to overwhelm us with a 400-page treatise. Um, And I know that he's working on another book, so hopefully we'll be hearing from Dave again soon. Um, In addition, I just want to mention to my fans who have been listening If you're liking the content that you're hearing, we are trending really well and things are going great, but I don't have a ton of reviews and ratings and I really, really need those. There's something to do with, you know, the algorithms and the way that the math is done um, somewhere behind the scenes that, you know, the more reviews and ratings that you have, the higher likelihood you are to show up when people are searching for something like you. The reason that I started this podcast, the reason that I wrote my book, 
the reason that I blog constantly and do interviews all over the country is because I know that not everybody can afford to see a lawyer. Not everybody lives in Massachusetts where I am. Not everybody is going to be able to connect with me in my typical business space. And it is so important that we get the word out. It's so important that we reach families wherever they are. This medium, podcasting and writing and interviews, are going to be able to find people that normally would not come to us, that normally would not get the information. And when I started this journey, the entire idea was to raise an army of advocates to change the face of special needs in our country, in fact, around the world. So please, that's a, that's a big plea to, um, if you're enjoying what you're listening to, what you're hearing, um, you can do two things. Rate and review us in whatever place you're finding the podcast. That is so helpful. But also, um, please make sure that you connect with me on social somewhere. I'm everywhere. I'm in, um, I've got Facebook. I've got Twitter. You can connect through our website at specialneedscompanies.com. Send me a message. Tell me that you're enjoying this. Let me know what content you'd like to hear about. Um, give me some questions. I'm going to be going through some questions over this month to talk about, you know, things that are worrying people, things that people want to hear about, things that people have questions about. So thanks for listening. I have so much gratitude for all of you, my listeners, and I hope to um, hear from you soon. Welcome, Dave. It's so good to have you here. Yeah. So I just finished reading your book and um, mind blown. Seriously, wish I had read it a long time ago. When did it come out, actually? Uh, came out three years ago. Yeah. yeah. Well, I saw myself in so many of the chapters and it was uh, quite a revelation, actually. So anyway, thank you for being here. This is such an important topic. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm always uh, interested in talking about the tribe. So. The tribe. Oh, that's so good to know that I'm a member of a tribe the now. Tribe, yeah. I feel so great about that. Um, so uh, I guess, you know, when I read it first, I just want to say that I think that this is going to be very inspiring for a lot of parents, because I imagine although my mom and I don't talk about this a lot, that she was frustrated with me because there was so much good and talent there and then so many frustrations all at the same time. And to be able to read about all of these very successful people who have ADHD, what, their, what the outcome was, um, and that traditional education sometimes is not always the way. I just think that is going to be such an eye-opener, it was for me, and just really helpful and inspiring for families. So I know your book was really well-received, and um, you got quite a lot of recognition. Why do you think this is touching a nerve for people? Why, why do you think it's been so successful? Well, I think I'll go back to why the publisher was interested in the book. Um, and there's a lot of books, as you probably know, about ADHD, raising kids with ADHD, mm -hmm. maybe managing your medication, uh, managing behaviors. Um, and there are some books to some degree about adult ADHD where the missing piece was 
was telling the stories of successful people right. with ADHD. The books are very clinical that are out there. and they're... Yeah, they're clinical. And, and I understand, as you just mentioned, that there is, uh, and I, I can look back and look at what I put my mother through. Yeah. There, you know, quite frankly, I tortured her. Okay, I know I tortured her. Your story about the spanking being, you know, being kind of bent over the bathtub and getting spanked, you know, was just... Yeah, getting handed a Ritalin, which I think I said in the book was probably not the way it was prescribed. Right. Okay, but that's, you know, when, when I just completely lost my mind is when she would do that. Yeah. You know, I would, I would get... I would get punished, and, and she was frustrated, and she'd stick a riddle in my mouth. You know, the other time, which I, I basically started the book about running through the window. Yes, yeah. Um, which is funny. <laughs> I've talked to other people who've ran through windows, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I'm not alone. But I think to answer your question, that um, sometimes you lose hope. Yeah. You have a child that has whether they have a diagnosis of ADHD or not, you know that there's something not quite normal, quote unquote, right. about that kid. You're, you're faced with having to um, work around challenging behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, as I found with some people in the book, um, aggressive behaviors, anger. Um, I grew up in a time, you know, I'm 53 now, I grew up in a time where schools didn't understand us. Right. So we were punished, not to mention that we weren't taught the way our brains were able to learn. Mm-hmm. So that came out in anger. Yeah. So, so yeah, so, so uh, to come back to your question, I think when somebody can read about people who have taken their brain, their type of brain, yes. and somebody who crashed and burned in school and maybe other areas and made a successful person out of themselves, I think gives some people some hope that that uh, there is some benefit to having ADHD. Yeah. It's not all that bad. And there's two schools of thought on that. So, What's the difference between ADD and ADHD? You know, it's funny. We went back and forth with the publisher about this. Um, and terminology-wise, there really isn't much difference. Okay. It's just, I think back in the late 80s, uh, the DSM-5 decided to say, we're just going to call it ADHD now. So they kind of changed the terminology. So but, it's... The, the terminology when I was a kid was basically hyperactive child. Right. <laughs> so I think we've come a long way. Okay. Um, but I, Which but, is actually better than crazy child, so... No, exactly. Or devil <laughs> child. You know? But I think, you know, there is... Um, when you... Uh, when you look at ADHD diagnoses now, and I'm going to tell you flat out, you know I'm not a doctor, I'm not a clinician, yes. I'm not anything, but now they do kind of break out different levels of ADHD, whether you're hyperactive right. or not, or, or what have you. And again, I, you know, people listening should know that I'm, I'm far from a doctor. Yes. Okay, I flunked out of welding school, so. <laughs> um, but, but to my understanding that that's kind of where, where we're at right now. But the general term is ADHD. Okay. Yeah. And so I told you that although I haven't been diagnosed by a doctor officially with it, yeah, I'm about 99.9% sure that I have this. And I have been diagnosed with dyslexia in college. So I know that I have a sort of, I guess, a neurodiverse brain, I think is what we say. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So I know that I have some challenges and I struggle. So I, again, I saw myself so much in this book and I thought the beginning was so funny where you actually question whether people with ADHD will even read the book. (laughs) (laughs) Because I, you know, as much as I have three degrees and, you know, I've done a lot of reading in my life, I don't choose to read for fun or even, you know, I mean, I, I narrow myself down to only what's absolutely necessary. So why do you think people will actually pick the book up and read it if they're affected themselves? Well, it's funny because I turned the manuscript into the publisher, and as you know, you've you've published a book, um, but I go through I go through one editor, and yeah. then that goes through a, yep. another copy editor, so right. they beat it up even more. Yes. But my first editor, fun stuff. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 And and as a person with ADHD, when you're done, like you're on to the next thing, so you turn in your manuscript, and you're like, oh darn, I have still all this other work to do on it. It's no, not finished. Talk about yet. crushing your soul when they start knocking up your grammar, you know? So okay. It's, it's I'm like sorry. Bags, you know? but um, they, back to your point. But the, but the editor came back with, uh, actually, I will say I didn't have a ton of edits. It looked like a lot. There was a lot of like red lines and, you know, bubbles in the word document saying, but it actually, in the grand scheme of things, wasn't a lot, which I was shocked because, again, I flunked out of welding school. <laughs> I want to mention that. So, but, um, but the, the copy, the, the first editor said, you know, we're kind of shy on pages a little bit. Do you think you could squeeze out a couple more 20 stories. more pages? Ah. I said, it's a book about ADHD. Let's keep it short and simple. We need to to get to the the heart of the matter. Oh, yes. I can't write a 400-page book on ADHD. Nobody's going to read it. That's right. Audience, it is a it's an easy read. It really is because there's a lot of stories in here and you're gonna learn a lot about Dave (laughs) because he talks to you about opening business after business, restaurant, karate school, store, this, that, the other thing. So um, it's fun. It really is. What's funny is that, you know, I I was all psyched. I got a publishing deal. I was like, you know, how many people in your life get a publishing deal from a New York book publisher? And, you know, and I went and I wrote the thing, and I can tell you about that story later. But I clicked the send button on the computer, and then I just got this awful feeling like, oh yes what did i just do i have like, so had I have that so, i have some of my closest friends who have no idea what i talked about in this book right you know and, and i won't say i'm living a lie but i've never really talked about yes about my childhood with yes. even some people that i you know hang out with to this day it was all out in the open i'm like well <laughs> there's no turning back now i had the same experience of course my book is very um it's very raw and very personal too. Um, so, you know, after I, you know, actually hit that button that said, okay, we're done, let's publish this. I literally threw up because I just got so anxious about the fact that I'm letting this all go out there, but it's been awesome ever since. And it's been awesome for you too. I was running a business at the time. I was, you know, in, in, a, in a, uh, a form of the business I'm running now, um, you know, I had clients that were paying me a lot of money in my PR business, and they're going to read my book and realize that I didn't even graduate college. Right. 
okay, I mean, I went to college, but three years was about all I could handle. Yeah. But I never graduated college, and it's not that I never talked about it, and it's not that I never hit it. Right. I just never discussed it. So now here's these people who, in their company, would probably require a college degree. Yes. For me to work for them. But they're probably paying me more than the people that would work for them mm-hmm. on a consulting basis, and I don't have a college degree. In fact, I didn't even go to school for PR. I learned it in the restaurant business. Interesting. Yeah. So, so I, I had no degree in PR, communications, or anything else. It was street smart PR. Cool. Yeah. But effective. Well, I, I mean, you the get the job learn. done. It's the way we learn. Right. I've never taken a computer course. You're goal-oriented. You actually talk about that in the book, too. Yeah. I'm going to get to that. Yeah. So your first part, your first piece of advice that comes out in the book, really, that hit me was find what you love and do it. Yeah. Oh, my God. That so resonated with me. Mm-hmm. So what happens, though, and, and this didn't happen for me. I mean, I've been doing what I love for decades now. But what if, like some of us we get a new idea every 30 seconds and that's the new thing that we love <laughs> that's kind of challenging right no I, I i think it is for some people if they can't if they can't channel that you know my and i've been through and and i think i might say in the book or i was writing in the second book which is yet to be published don't ask me about that so. <laughs> <laughs> but i don't have any um uh, bad feelings about the number of careers I might have had. Yeah. And I said, I, I, you know, I went to welding school. I went to a vocational school. And I'm actually glad I did because if I think if I went to a traditional high school, it would have been a longer stint. Yes. <laughs> than the four years. So I went to, I went to welding. Uh, I went to a vocational school and graduated welding. But I was out of the industry in six months. I hated it. I absolutely hated it. So I just spent three and a half years learning welding, actually getting certified, a national certification in welding, uh-huh. only to realize that I hated it. Wow. I, had, I had scooped ice cream, and if people are listening from around Boston, they'll remember Brigham's. Yes. But I was scooping ice cream and, you know, cooking breakfast and lunch at a Brigham's. Yep. Um, and I decided to just go back there after, after I left the welding industry and just kind of figure out where to go from there. And I ended up owning a Brigham's, a mm-hmm. franchise. So, and I did that for a a number of years um, but I think we we ADHD people some of us get we, we max out a career I think yeah it doesn't become fun anymore um, or it's not what we signed up for right now I mentioned the PR business we're in an age of social media now yeah but I was a traditional PR guy mm-hmm. um, I was you know, around TV cameras and radio studios and, and all those things. And this was before social media. And yeah, maybe I sent out an email newsletter to clients. And I really, after, you know, going through the welding industry and then owning my restaurant and then figuring out how to promote my restaurant on my own mm-hmm. through public relations, that I really found something that I loved and I was really good at. Yes. I remember my first year uh, at Special Olympics after getting rid of my restaurant. I volunteered for Special Olympics and then they hired me. I don't know how I got the job. Um, But Summer Games, which is the biggest event of the year at Special Olympics, you know, thousands of Special Olympics athletes and families and everything else. And I remember 
if, if anybody's listening in the nonprofit world, you know that everybody from the CEO down does everything. Yes. So Monday morning, we get back to the headquarters, and we have to start unloading the trucks for all the equipment. And the CEO gathers the whole staff around, and he says, great summer games, and he's talking, and he goes, and by the way, we've never had so much press coverage in our entire existence. Nice. This is me going from scooping ice cream. Right. Okay to entering the PR world. But my point is I found something that I loved and I could look at it in a different, you know, through a different lens. Right, right. Which I think we're good at as well. But the PR business, when somebody invented social media or Facebook and Twitter, um, has taken a huge chunk out of that, that business that I loved. Yeah. So I've had to reevaluate as well. So I wouldn't say it's completely my fault that my ADD brain said, oh, we're on to something else. Right. Uh, Actually, you're I not on to something adapt. else. You're evolving. So I feel like that's exactly what, the re- that's the reason I've been able to stay in law for so long, because there's just every, there's a new opportunity every day to do something a little different. It's not the same case over and over and over again. And so... Um, and things change constantly. So that keeps me engaged. I mean, I love the community that I work in, and that helps too. Right. But I still need to be engaged. And, of course, I have a million good ideas every year. Yep. And figuring out which ones to pursue is so hard. It and is. I drive everybody here crazy. I drive my husband slash law partner crazy mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Because I'm always thinking of these great things that we could be doing here to reach more people and to do this and do that. So I get stretched very thin, um, and, and it is hard on people. So no, it, and it's taking the time to, to buckle down and execute yeah. on that specific thing. And sometimes you just need the right people to help you with the execution because if you're not capable of it, it may be your business partner or your assistant or somebody who is going to be that help for you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to get into all the good tips that you have in here. I thought it was interesting that um, you ended up in special education and a lot of students with, you know, ADD, ADHD, whatever their label is, or dyslexia would, would also end up in special education. But I ended up in gifted programs. It didn't mean that it was not as hard for me. I, um, I identified with a woman um, at the end of the book, the baker, who you were talking about, mm. who, um, you know, she had a similar experience, but she would be doing her homework five times for five yeah. hours more than everybody else. Right. And so that was my experience, too. I mean, getting through law school was just horrible. Oh, I, horrible. I, I don't think I could ever... <laughs> Well, the thing is, I had I learned. Know, but back then, there's no way. Well, I I, and we're going to talk about the disciplines that you know become important. But I had learned that I need to treat this like a job. So I would go into school at eight o'clock in the morning, yeah. and I would stay until five o'clock. And I would I scheduled out my day for studying because otherwise, I never would have gotten through all the material. Yeah. The reading was immense. Mm-hmm. Good for me. I had a very good memory. I don't know how you are with in the memory department. Do you hold on to things? Is that one of your strategies? I have a awful short-term memory. 
So the classic case of I walk downstairs and I forgot what I walked down there for. Right. Or I walk in a room and forget what, I mean, I do that all the time. But the longer um, term of learning something and holding on to it, you're, you're yeah, good at Yeah, a little better at that. Yeah. But yeah, the short term memory is, is, unless it's just absolutely like, critical to what I'm doing then it gets like stuck mm. stuck in my head there's sometimes I don't have to take notes I just know I'm going to get up in the morning there's something that needs to be done yeah. it's bugging me and I have to get it done I yeah. burn things a lot because I'll put something on the stove and then I get distracted and I, I'm like, oh, I but I have to fold the laundry and then I have to do this and I have to return this phone call. And before you know it, the smoke alarm's going off, which is just a very frequent event in our house. I think I woke up one morning and I had left a sprinkler on on the lawn all night and it just... So the lawn was pretty green oh. the days after. Well, that's good. <laughs> that's not a bad result, like having to scrape goop off the no, pans. No, because it's just water. Right. Um, by the way, I love the little doodles that you have at the beginning of each section in your book because I doodle to try to stay focused when I'm at, in a meeting, things are going on, I'm taking notes. And um, so for my listeners, if you pick up the book, and I hope you do, you'll notice that there's little doodles at the beginning of the chapters and then little doodles at the beginning of mm -hmm. each section within the chapters. What made you decide to do that? That's adorable. I think the publisher just had some good ideas on okay. how to mix, you know, like you see the, the, the uh, paper airplane, that's a spreadsheet. Yeah. So, and I think they just had some good ideas on how to weave the topic into the the discussion of business and entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So you you gave a summary of um, some of the traits that makes ADHD folks unique. You want to go through them with me? Yeah, I mean we're we're creative. Very. So I think a lot of uh, as you mentioned, I think a lot of people with ADHD are creative. They always have new ideas. Um, I think fun. I, fun, 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 fun. We're fun. We're fun. Of course, we're fun. We're the life of the party. <laughs> we're the people at the lampshade. <laughs> but I think creativity is is one of the the big ones, and and I know that maybe an employer may be um, hesitant to maybe hire somebody that they might think has ADHD or is is distractible. Yeah. But I think if they and I dedicated the book to my old boss, Bob Johnson, because throughout my time at Special Olympics, he knew I didn't have a college degree. He promoted me to vice president. I was responsible for six and a half million dollars in fundraising. Wow. By the time I left there, I was responsible for all the marketing. I was responsible for all the PR. Wow. I had seven people under me. Um, but I brought some creativity to, to the job yeah. that, that needed it. So, um, so I think if there's employers out there that that want a fresh look at their business, yeah, or a department or what have you, I mean, you might have to help accommodate that person in some way. It could be something as simple as, you know, noise canceling headphones or move their desk, right? You know, but the benefits of hiring somebody that can think a little differently and look at something. And come it can up with be fresh ideas. Enormous. It's enormous. It's a game changer for, for business. For some businesses, yeah. yeah. But creativity, yeah, like I said, we're fun. Um, I know some people do not like the topic of hyper focus. 
Right. Um, but I wrote that book in seven weeks. Yeah. And I only did it because I could shut out the world. So, um, and the publisher might not know this, so maybe they know it by now, but, you know, <clears throat> I was going, I, I, I'd been going back and forth with the publisher. I had a couple conference calls. I knew they wanted the book, but I had to still go through the process. So you have to, you have to write the proposal. You have to go through a sales committee. You have to go with the call acquisitions committee. They have to see if the book will sell, all that stuff. So this took three plus months. So um, I'm sitting in my son's karate lessons one night, and I get an email pop up on my phone. It's the editor from yeah. the publisher, and she says, uh, Hi, Dave. We're ready to give you a, a book deal. Okay. Um, refresh my memory. When's the book going to be ready? And... You know that feeling you get when you have completely <laughs> screwed something up? It's like in your stomach. And I'm like, wow. Um, so I said, I emailed back and I said, uh, well, listen, I'll work with your timeline. So whenever you need it, email pops back. We need it in two weeks. And I'm like, oh, my God. I haven't even written this thing yet. <laughs> I've, written, I've written like two chapters. I wrote my story. Yes. And I interviewed one guy uh, in the book that I had known uh, that also wrote a couple books on ADHD. Because you wouldn't get a book deal if you didn't have at least some of the work done. Yeah. You have to, sh- you have to show them something, Essentially, audience. 90% of the book was not done. <laughs> um, so I think she sends that through the email. And she says, uh, well, what if I gave you a little more time? I'm like, fine. I said, I, I have to interview a couple more people. <laughs> you know, like 25. Oh, and, my God. And, uh, so in essence, I got seven weeks. Stomach write. aches. Oh, it was yeah, it was stomach ache, and I, I said I just blew a huge opportunity <sighs> to get a book published that nobody I know has ever gotten the chance to do. Wow. So, so uh, yeah, so they gave me seven weeks. So, Hyper focus. And, and I got it done. But that's how I got it done. Yeah. And I talk to people because, as you know, I I do a lot of ghostwriting for other companies right. and other people. Um, they said, oh, it took me three days to write this blog post. I said, really? I got it done in an hour. So yeah. to, to go back to your question, hyper-focus, if it's not your 8-year-old playing the Xbox right. for, for 12 hours straight, right? it can be channeled for good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. That's cool. And yeah. risk-takers, yeah. some of us. Yeah, I think that's a good thing. I think taking risks is good as long as... Um, you don't take down your family right? and an entire business with it. Yep. Um, and that's where having partners and bouncing ideas off of other people can be really helpful, which you do talk about later on in the book. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we have to talk a little bit about the negative aspects, mm-hmm. right? I mean, so don't like authority. Yeah. Yeah. I, I found it challenging until I started my own business mm-hmm. to, to function well, and I bumped around a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. You bumped around a bit. Yeah. I, uh, I've quit jobs. I've probably gotten fired. Yeah. Um, I'll, go back to, <laughs> I'll go back to Special Olympics. This, I, well, this is probably slash authority slash, I wouldn't say temper, but um, my, when I was the PI director, my boss had left. He was the VP of development. And I went, I went right down, not that I was going for the jugular, but I went right downstairs to the CEO and I said, I want you to consider me for the job. Uh. I think I can do it. He goes, okay. I wrote him a nice letter. Not that I had to. He was like, you know, 30 feet away from me. But I went through the process and he says, I want to uh, 
It's like a week later. He goes, I'm going to take out the dinner. I said, okay. So we went down the street and got a steak and a couple beers, and we sat at the bar, and he goes, I don't know if you have the temperament for this job. Oh. And I said, wow. Because I was known for, and you know what, I, I'm okay with it, but as a PR director, you, um, you have to put your foot down. Yeah. Especially in an organization that has many volunteers and many other interested parties. Um, you have to put your foot down to protect the reputation of the organization. Right. And I was known for sometimes leaving a path of destruction behind me. Okay. And I think that has to do a little bit with the authority as well as maybe my temperament. That, right. That kind of got in the way. I got the job, ultimately. Yeah. I'm sure I could do it. But, but yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think in other cases where I knew that my wow. boss might have been a jerk in some other part-time job that... I didn't have much tolerance for it. <laughs> but you say in the book, and I think this is true, that we we are much more likely to be entrepreneurs, um, we who have these neuro differences. Mm-hmm. Um, and you talk up through through the book, you talk to a lot of people who are. Um, and I think that's you know got something to do with the fact that not only is it hard for us to work for other people, but it's kind of hard for people to work with us, too, sometimes. It's also we don't like the pace at which the corporate world moves. Yeah. So if I'm, and, and I think there's a, couple, there's a couple aspects to this. If I'm, if I'm somebody with ADHD, I've got a lot of ideas. I see how I could improve something in my company. Right. So I bring my idea to the boss, and then the boss has to bring his idea to the boss, and then the idea has to go to committee, and then he has to have X number of meetings. You know, and by then, the guy with ADHD has moved on. Right. Okay, he's like, I gave him my idea. I know we can make this work. So he gets frustrated. Yes. The other aspect of this is that there was so much negativity for some of us growing up and that, I, I think that stems back from the bad report cards and, and if you were right. in a time where you were punished. Because it came, it came from all those authority right. figures, your yeah. teachers and your doctor and your parents and your other family members that you looked up yeah. to, et cetera. And you just don't want to walk away. Yeah. Yeah. So I think a lot of people end up in entrepreneurship because, A, they couldn't keep a job. They just kept getting fired. Um, or they quit and decided they could do something better on their own because right. the, the pace of where they were working could not keep up with their style of thinking. So the other things that you mention are obviously we are very highly distractible, mm-hmm. and we've been talking about that for the of last course. 20 minutes. Of course, yeah. <laughs> um, we're not organized. I have learned to be more organized and I've used some of the tools that we're going to talk about. Um, not following directions. That's a big one. Procrastination. Let's talk about procrastination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why do we procrastinate? There's a, and it's funny. I, <clears throat> I just talked to somebody we know, um, who does time management workshops and, um, and we had the discussion as well, but, uh, I interviewed a guy by the name of Dr. Timothy Pischel, who was from Canada. And believe it or not, all this guy does is study procrastination <laughs> for for a university in Canada. Oh, I my know, goodness. What a job, right? What kind of job? Yeah, that's... What a job. What? But I knew I had to discuss this subject. And I think, um, and the point I just made about uh, the, the person that runs time management workshops, Sarah, that we both know, 
is we there is a lot of bad information out there about why people procrastinate. Even people who are, you know, got millions of followers on social media and these self-help gurus yeah. that, that, you know, and they tell you why procrastination is. But what uh, Dr. Pischel said is it, it comes down to being emotional. Wow. It's an, it's an emotional response. Okay? And if you can, if you can figure that out, then you're on your way to, to, as he calls it, solving the procrastination puzzle. It's the, in, it's the you know, purposeful delay of an intended action is basically what it is. Okay. But, but there's, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there about what procrastination is, and it, and it, kind of, and it bugged me after talking to the doctor of procrastination. Right, right. You know, and then seeing all this other stuff out there. Because so. it, it's not the same as just being forgetful, which we, we are and, and we talked about. And it's not lazy either. And, and it's not lazy. A lot of people beat themselves up because they say you're being lazy. Oh, my gosh. That's another great part. So uh, later on in the book, you, you know, almost at the end, you basically say, like, love yourself. Mm-hmm. You are who you are. And this is just part of you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people like you consider this their superpower. Mm-hmm. So I know it's helped me be highly successful and I'm very appreciative of my neuro differences because I think once I figured out what my path was going to be it it was just enormously a gift and yeah. not so much a negative aspect. I don't know if everybody here in my firm would agree with that because <laughs> they do have to work with that. But they work with you. But they do. You. And I yeah. work really hard at choosing people who will work well with my style so that they're not frustrated and I'm not frustrated. I want this to be a good experience for people. So mm-hmm. I find people who are a good match for me. Um, so know, it's funny. Before yeah, go ahead. Question, it's funny that this is going to sound awful, but I find it hard to work with other people that I know have ADHD. Oh, yes. That that do not know they have ADHD. I have, I've had some clients, not any now, not any to this day, so don't freak out, okay? I'm not talking about you. Okay. <laughs> and he's not talking about me, audience. <laughs> no. but they are just all over the place. They are just all over the place. Um, and, and it's frustrating. I, I, think, I think I have, I have, at this age, figured out how to be more self-aware. Right. Okay, which is one thing I really didn't cover in the book, and I'm kind of kicking myself for not. Well, that's why you have to do another book. Well, yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> it's not taking seven weeks, I'll tell you that. But I think it's important for, and you know what? I don't think a diagnosis does anything more than, than provide answers. Yeah. For how you, uh, how you are operating or the behaviors that right. you're exhibiting. Um, but there are, what I've learned to this date is there are people far more distracted and, and, um, and, and what have you disorganized than, than I am. Right. Well, I don't have an official diagnosis, but just being able to work on what I consider my shortfalls and also take advantage of my superpower, if you will, um, has been enormously helpful 
So that's such a good segue, what you just talked about to the strategies that you talk about in the book and um, some of the things that have worked for you and some of the people that you interviewed were really, you know, all kinds of planning techniques and time management techniques. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I think, and, and even since I, since I've written a book, because like I said, I, I did start another book and life happened, um, but I've interviewed other uh, professionals as well as my podcast too. So I've interviewed right. other professionals since the book came out. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, 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 there's simple tactical things yes. that you can employ, and then there's more ten thousand foot kind of strategies involved. Right. Right. Um, I think one of my big things is guard your time. So um, and know when you work best. So. Um, right. Right. Somebody in the book was six a.m. to three p.m. Yeah. You know, so whatever strategies. Mm-hmm. work for you yeah but but guard that time so try, yeah try try however hard you can not to let things interfere mm-hmm. um you know there's one guy in the book that he's actually the only guy that remained anonymous just because of his business michael b um but he he actually locks down his browser on his internet and all this stuff oh shuts his phone up because he was uh, you know, he basically almost killed himself, lit his car on fire. He was so distractible. Wow. So, um, so now he, he knows that in order to do his job, he has to lock things down. Mm-hmm. So, but again, you got to figure out what those distractions are and what you're, you know, if you're going to hop on Facebook every two minutes. Yeah. Then that's not. Right. That's not a big thing, too. But I think an overall theme of guarding your time, I think, has been has been yeah. big for me. It, it worked for the book. But I felt bad. I had to ignore my son for, you know, some days on end. Right. I had a contract. I had to write a book. Yeah. I, had to, I had to submit it on time. So, um, but, you know, you and I have clients, too. Things need to be done on time. Right. There are certain times where you have to um, shut up the world. Yeah, and you talk about coaching yourself, talking to yourself, and making sure that you're keeping this dialogue going of mm-hmm. what needs to get done next and just, mm-hmm. you know, speaking it or, or, you know, writing it down is really helpful. You talked about, um, of course, time management was a big piece. I personally have used a business coach in a business coaching program that's helped me a lot. Yep. Um, and that really helped me with my time management skills. I block my time mm-hmm. all day long for things, you know, yeah. You're going to answer emails at these pieces. Mm-hmm. Your staff is only allowed to come in and ask you questions during these time yeah. periods. You know, yeah. I have to do that because if I get moved off of my task, it is so hard to come back. Not everybody feels that way. Um, brain dump was another one that yeah. was really good. You know, when you get overwhelmed, and I do, just write everything down. Just Everything, including like brushing your teeth and whatever mm-hmm. things have to get done before the end mm-hmm. of the day, just because it can help, you know, for some people, they're going to get some relief from that. Yeah. But I also thought it was so interesting that you talked about the whole mind body piece, that your mind and your body are connected and that some people are, you know, really, really doing well with exercise that a lot of us, you know, need to exercise and get that out. But 
sleep is a thing. Oh, it's huge. And it yeah. evades me. I don't think I've had a good night's sleep in decades. Mm. I don't I can't even remember. I mean, I wake up a lot during the night because I can't shut my mind off and I've never been able to find something that works besides wine. <laughs> and that's not a great solution. So <laughs> No, but sometimes you have to you do have to calm your your mind down. I don't have any trouble sleeping. In yeah. Fact, I just feel like I'm always exhausted. <laughs> okay. And I only have one kid, so Well yeah, that comes from being a parent, definitely. But the um but yes, I I think and, I, and I'm not a huge uh, practitioner of meditation. Right. Because um, I find it I find it hard to kind of just sit there. I and, can't do that either. Uh, but, you know, but I do try and get to the gym every other day. Okay. Just because I do feel better. So the gym works for you. Yeah, activity, works for Physical and, activity and, works for and, you. And I can tell that when I least want to go to the gym is when... I most you really need, need to it. go, it's yes. Right. And, and then I actually get a good workout, but it clears my head. Cool. So, um, and then yeah, sleep. And and uh, and I interviewed a doctor in there who talks about about what happens to your brain when you actually sleep, and 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 how your brain gets repaired mm-hmm. at, at at you know at at certain parts of of the sleep cycle. Right. So, and again, I'm not a doctor or, or anything. Uh, but I know that if I don't get a good night's sleep, yeah, I'm a mess too. There was such a good tip in the book that I had heard, but I guess it never really, um, it never really resonated with me. But it has now, which is that your your bedroom should only be for sleeping. So I have a TV in my room. So my <laughs> my you know music is in my room. My I have a desk in my bedroom, mm-hmm. which you know when I wake up in the middle of the night, I want to jump up and do some work and. Um, all of that, it just, it's just resonating with me that this is just a bad idea. So, um, I think I'm going to feng shui my room a little bit and just move stuff to a different room with a different purpose. So I love it. Again, I'm getting so much out of reading the book. Um, I think the other problem is that we actually get a second wind at like 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. And I do want to have to force myself. To, to wind down. I'm exhausted from like five to eight. I don't know what it is. I could go to bed at five o'clock. Wow. I don't know what it is. Um, but by eight thirty, nine o'clock, I'm starting to get my second win, and I'm like, "Oh crap! I got to get up at five or five thirty. Right. <laughs> so exactly. Now, some. Uh, I know. I and, and I talk about working with people with ADHD, but I can tell that if I get an email from somebody at like two in the morning. They're working. Yes. And they can't shut their brain down. Maybe you're part of the tribe. Yeah, yeah. You know? Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Running out of time. Yeah. Such a good interview. Thank you. So a couple things. Tell me about being in the zone. I think there, you know, I think sometimes it just happens. Yeah. Um, sometimes you can prepare yourself. Sometimes you can say, you know what? Like you say, you're blocking your schedule. Right. And you get yourself psyched up. Yeah. Okay, 9 to noon, I'm doing X, Y, Z on Tuesday. Yeah, right. Okay. But I also think sometimes it just happens. And that's the ADD brain, too. You get you get an idea. You get that. Oh, like, that, I'm going to write a book in seven that, weeks. That and then you just do it. You know? And boom. Yeah, it's just... but. But I think, 
that goes back to, you know, again, hyper-focus. Some people might call it hyper-focus. Yeah. Um, Peter Shankman, who is in the book. Yes. Um, he was the one who really his highlighted it. an airplane. It. Yep. He's written four books on an airplane. Yeah. buys a ticket and flies to China and back. It's just, it's an expensive office, but it's where he gets in the zone. Yeah. So, so cool. I don't want to do anything on a plane, but, but veg. And, yeah, I um, have trouble because there's so much going on around me, yeah. and there's a lot of noise and confusion yeah. and too but much you, to pay attention to. But you got to find your zone. Stephen King, I think, I read that he has a barn, and he writes with heavy metal music blaring. That's his zone. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, tell me about Make It Simple. I don't have a a complicated mind. I, I think that's why I liked public relations. Yeah. Is because for me it was simple. And for me I could use my strengths, which I think was being a good communicator. Mm-hmm. Um, you see that with Greg McDaniel in the book as well, who um, who is a self-proclaimed you know, crash and burn, a college guy. Yeah. Um, he has ADHD and dyslexia. He was the kid. Hello, there's exactly. my peer. Exactly. <laughs> Read his chapter again. But he was the, 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 the guy who couldn't learn. They didn't realize he wasn't learning. He was flipping the desks over in the yeah. classroom. He was so angry. Um, now he's one of the top real estate trainers in California yeah. and probably beyond. Um, he used what he knew was his strength which is communicating. Yes. And I think, to bring it back to your question, for me, that's, that's a simple task for me. I'm, I'm not going to get a job that has math. I tried to go to Berkeley College of Music, and then when I realized there was so much math <laughs> with the music engineering, I'm like, nah, screw it. <laughs> you know? um, I'm, not, I'm not a complicated person. I like simple careers. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's why I... Other people might not be. Other... other other people with ADHD could be software programmers mm-hmm. because they do get in that zone. But that's simple. That's their simple, though. That's their simple. Because it's streamlined. Yeah. So I can't stop this interview without talking about the kind of support that people should really um, use and, and surround themselves with so that it doesn't become a lost cause. And it, I mean, we, we know there are a lot of people out there who struggle and who haven't been as successful as we have. I certainly have had a lot of support and I talk in my book and everywhere I go about pulling your team together because being a parent of a special needs child or being somebody with, you know, special needs yourself, you can't it, you can't do it alone. It's so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. There's so much going on. So I talk a lot about, you know, building that team. So tell me your advice in the book and the other people that you interviewed also had similar advice and stories about support and coaching. I think Dr. Hallowell told me when I interviewed him the first time, he said it best, find the right job and marry the right person. <laughs> and I think that's, that's half of managing your ADHD. Yeah. You've got to find something you're good at. You can't go to a job you hate. You, just, you can't do it because it won't last long. Yep. And you'll be miserable. And I think you've got to find a partner in life that gets you. Um, and if you're somebody who 
forgets to pay the bills, forgets to pick up the kids from school. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. They need to pick up that slack. Yeah. So. I was that mom who was always late. They were, like, always mad at me. My kid was always sitting by the door waiting for me. It was Mm -hmm. terrible. Terrible. Yeah, because we're time blind. So awful. (laughs) So. But, you know, that, that, that is part of your support system. And, yeah, I think... Having a coach, I think, is, is – and you don't have to have a coach 365 days a year. Right. And you have to pick the right coach. There yeah, are ADHD that's... coaches out there. There are people that that's hard. are not ADHD coaches that just might get you right. and can work with you. And, then, right. you know, I, I have a coach as well that I've worked with um, for a number of years. And, and the same thing. And, and he had a specific – program that he brought clients through and I went through that initially um, with several other people and then when we got to the point where we were going to do one-on-one coaching I said you know what I totally value your your systems I said what I need is just somebody to maybe smack me upside the head every couple weeks right just I know that that phone call is coming and I got to get these three or four things done yeah that works for me you've got to find a coach that that is that is right for you. Uh, there's a bunch of coaches in the book mm-hmm. that uh, do everything from in person to video chats to yeah. phone calls. Um, so there's plenty to choose from. If anybody wants any recommendations, I have plenty because I don't think, with all due respect, that everybody's uh, a great coach. Right. I don't mean again. I'm not going to bash anybody, but um, I know a good coach when I when I meet them. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, I'm probably going to get crap for saying this, but I think <laughs> the coaching world can sometimes be the Wild West. Yeah, because not everybody is credentialed, and even still the credentials don't always mean anything. No. I, I'll tell you, that if you go back and look at my podcast, there were uh, several people that I've interviewed that I knew just got it. They just, yeah. they, and they brought things up that just, I'm like, you're in my brain. Yeah, You're in my head, you know? Well, I like that idea of having an accountability partner. Um, that's what the coaching has been for me. I did learn in the beginning from the coach systems like time management, et cetera. But then having that accountability partner and m- making us, you know, connect every so often and go through the list, you know, what are we still working on? What have we accomplished? What new things do we want to add to the list? And for me, the million ideas. My coach is the person who helps me winnow them down to two or three to work on, you know, so. No, and if you're, you're someone with ADHD and you hire a drill sergeant for a coach, that is a recipe for disaster. Yeah. We don't work like that. Yeah. We don't work like that. Somebody's got to understand you. Okay. Our time is long past up. We got to go. Sorry. We have to go <laughs> because I was 15 minutes late getting to this interview. <laughs> That's all right. I didn't say anything. But Dave forgave me um, and I'm forgiving myself. So mm-hmm. listen, please, what is your podcast? How can people find it? And then how can people get the book and how can people get in touch with you? Um, the, the book's Overcoming Distractions. The podcast is by the same name. It's on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, overcomingdistractions.com if you want to just listen to it right off your computer. Awesome. Um, and then, yeah, you can contact me through the website, overcomingdistractions.com. Um, I periodically talk to business groups about what it takes for 
entrepreneurs who might be prone to distractions and how they got through it and built successful businesses. So Fantastic. Yeah. Such a great interview. Thank you so much, Dave. Yeah. Good Thank to talk you. to you. Thank you. Bye. Wasn't that great? Thanks for joining us this week. And if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to this podcast. Even better, if you liked what you heard, please rate us and even send us a review. Also, I'd love to answer your questions on air so you can connect with me at specialneedscompanies.com, which will list out all the usual places. Have a great week.